Amen. I'm just going to share a quick story. In the book of Nehemiah, uh, there was a very special man of God and by, the name of, by the name of Nehemiah. And he worked for the king. He was a cupbearer. And he, found report, he got report that the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down and that, their need to, that the people were in devastation. And so Nehemiah felt the, the burden to go back home and to build the walls of Jerusalem. And so with the king's blessing and with the authority that the king gave him, the king um, allowed him to go back home and build the walls. And when he went back there, not only did he go back there with a position and an authority, but the king blessed him with, with uh, materials to rebuild the walls with. And so here, he ends up going to Jerusalem. And as he goes to Jerusalem, he begins to t assemble the people together and tell them that the vision and the, and the purpose that God, has got, that God had given him to come to Jerusalem. And so as he begins to assemble the people, the people begin to feel a revival within. They begin to feel a cause being rebirthed. They begin to feel the, 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 the presence of God over their life once again. And they begin to come together and come in unity and come in agreement. And they begin to um, put their supplies, put their materials, use, you know, whatever merchants were there. They begin to tap into their resources and be a contributor to the wall. And so here they had a very purpose, a one common vision, and that was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And then there also came other purposes after that because the people were still devastated. So spiritually speaking, they needed to be reestablished in their spiritual being as well. And so here Nehemiah, as he leads the people, um, or he begins to assemble the people, um, there became opposition. And so how many of us know that when God gives us a work to do or when God put purposes it in our heart to bring our families back together or to reestablish relationships or to do a work for him, how many of us know that there's an enemy out there ready to stop us? You ever heard of haters out there? Okay, well, I got a few of them, and let me tell you, they're all called demonic spirits because the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms, against demonic spirits that hate us because we, we represent the creation of God. And so here, unfortunately, as Nehemiah was assembling the people and they began to gather their materials and rebuild this wall, the enemy came in. He hated the fact that Nehemiah had a purpose and a vision from the Lord. And so unfortunately, like I said, the enemy works through people too. And so in this place, and as Nehemiah and his people begin to build the wall and begin to fight and, and build together, the enemy came in through a couple of men. And some of those men were called Sanballat and um, the Arab. There was also Tobiah. And these men came against the very purpose of God's will. And there was a time where um, uh, they came, Sanballat and Tobiah, they came to Nehemiah and they said that, uh, you know, you better stop doing this work because, you know, the king's not happy. And little did they know that he already been blessed. But the enemy came in trying to intimidate the work. And they, they, they brought false accusations to Nehemiah or about Nehemiah. And they brought even people within the assembly of the, of, of the people of, of God that even some of those people were being um, swayed or influenced by these outsiders who were hating on Nehemiah. And so as they began to bring accusation and bring conflict and bring um, opposition, one thing that Nehemiah said was that 
instead of him being discouraged and dismayed and, you know, brought to a place of, I'm just done, get, let me out of, you know, I'm done. As they brought accusation to Nehemiah, he said, Lord, strengthen my hands. Strengthen my hands. Strengthen me, O oh Lord, in the midst of opposition, in the, in the hour of accusation, in the hour of discouragement, in the hour of trying to bring the people united. Strengthen my hands. Strengthen me, O oh Lord, that instead of him fleeing under the pressure, instead of him taking heed to what the enemy was lying to him about, he said, Lord, strengthen me. And help me us know that when we go through the storm and when we go through some hardships, when we go through sickness, when we go through opposition, when we go through haters and false accusations, we don't run from the trial. We don't run away from the purpose. We don't run away from the process that God is doing. But we ask the Lord, God, can you strengthen me a little bit here? Amen. And right now, I feel that God, in the, min, in the midst of the time that we're in, that God is saying, strengthen yourself, strengthen your hands, strengthen your mind, strengthen your spirit, because we are moving forward. But as we're moving forward, there is an enemy that wants to stop the work of the Lord in this house. We can feel it this whole year. We've had a group of women and men that have been fasting and praying because we know that there is an enemy that wants to take out the work and the head of this house so that the work does not get accomplished and finished. And so this morning, as we begin to talk about Nehemiah, when he said, Lord, strengthen me, Nehemiah recognized that there was a spiritual battle that was taking place, that when these accusations came his way, when the false, you know, testimony of what he was doing was coming to the king, that whatever came his way, you know what he did? He prayed. He prayed because he knew that his warfare, he knew that the battle that he was facing was not against flesh and blood. It was not against Sanballat. It was not against the Arab. It was not against Tobiah. It wasn't even against the people of God that were within the walls trying to build. But he knew that it was a spiritual warfare. And so if you turn your Bibles to Ephesians 6.10, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. Amen. So that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the enemy. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand again, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. He keeps saying it over and over and over to stand. You want me to tell you why he says that? Let me tell you why. Stand therefore again, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of, of peace above all, taking the shield of faith, which with which you will also be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication. And so the scripture continues on. 
But in the scripture, Paul begins to explain to the believers that what we go through in this day and age, all the persecution that's coming our way, all the, the things that are taking place as we're pioneering churches and the opposition, remember, the, the, the person in front of you, your co-laborer, they're not your enemy, but there is a spiritual battle that is taking place that wants to destroy, that wants to kill, that wants to discourage, that wants to dismay and remove us from the very will of God. And so as Paul begins to explain, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And what he meant by that was that in those days, in the Bible days, that when they would wrestle today, um, or when they would wrestle back then, it's not the same as today. When you go watch the Olympics, you see these guys in these weird outfits and these weird helmets, and they roll around together on, the, on a mat. And it kind of looks weird, kind of looks funny-duddy, a little fruity to me. But, in, but back in those days... What they did was they would wrestle, and they would, they would try to cause their opponent to fall down. They would grab their opponent, and whoever fell down first was the one who was defeated. But not only that, as they, put, they, as they threw their opponent down, they would grab them by their neck, and that would be a statement of victory. That would be a statement to say that I have withstood. I have stood my ground. And spiritually speaking, that's the same way that God wants us to be. That whatever we wrestle against, that whatever we come against, do you know that God has already intended for us to be the victor? That whatever we wrestle in this world, that we are not a defeated, we are not a defeated people. We are not defeated Christians. We are not a defeated individual. But God has intended and God has empowered us to walk in the power so that when we wrestle, we got that enemy on our, on our hands like this, neck to neck, right here. And I got him by the neck. God says that that's what I'm supposed to do. God has empowered me to hold the enemy by his neck and say, not today, devil. Not today. You're not going to mess with my kids today, devil. You're not going to mess with my disciple today, devil. You're not going to mess with my marriage today, devil. You're not going to mess with my salvation today. Because God has called us. To live in victory. God says to withstand. Withstand that because we have the power of God inside of us, nothing can knock us down. Nothing. If you stand. If you put on the armor of God. Now when you, put, when you leave your armor at home or you don't you know, put it on, spiritually speaking, all right. Maybe, you know, you're giving room for the enemy to mess with you. But the Bible says that in order to withstand and to be victorious and to fight the spiritual battle, we must know how to put on our armor. We're in a spiritual warfare here. I don't know if you understand what, what I'm talking about, but we're in a real battle. There are souls in the balance that are dying. There are souls in the balance that are depending on you and I to preach the gospel to them. There are souls in the balance that are depending on us to make it so that when they come into the church, they can know and trust that what we have inside of us, it is solid, it is good, it is profitable, there is equity in that salvation, and it's going to bring value, not just to ourselves, but to somebody else. Amen? And so I just want to break down just a little bit about what this armor of God is all about. And as Nehemiah was, was building this wall, the Bible says that some of the workers, they, they, they split up the workers and some of them were building and some of them were standing with their swords ready for the attack of the enemy. 
And then the Bible also says that some of the workers that were working on the wall, they, were, they would build and then they had their sword right here next to them. So they would gird themselves up with the sword, with the buckle of truth and their sword, so that as they were building, and then if the enemy was ready, or the enemy would come and attack, they were ready to bring their sword out. They were ready for battle. They threw that, maybe, not, no, I don't think they threw the, the breakdown. I believe they threw it at their enemy and then got their sword. Amen. Some of you guys, you got to get your sword out and get that brick too as you're building. Throw that brick to the enemy. Put a knot in his head or something. Do something good with it. Amen. And so this morning, um, as we break down what the armor of God is, I want to share with you the first part of that armor. It says here, or let me just track, backtrack really quickly. When I was a teenage girl, and this is how I learned how to fight, spiritually speaking. But I remember when I was about 13 years old, let me tell you, I'm so not the same girl anymore. So don't judge me, okay? But when I was 13 years old, there was a girl that would pick on me. And I was kind of dabbling just a little bit with alcohol and weed. But I wasn't a fighter. I was so like, everybody loves each other. And I think I'm still like that, but back then I was really naive. And so I just thought that everybody got along and everybody liked each other. But unfortunately, middle school will give you a reality check. And so I remember this girl didn't like me. She was in high school. She was such a bully because I was only in the, in the eighth grade and she was like in the ninth and she thought she was better than me because she was coming to junior high, back to my junior high, like, please, go get a life, go pick on a senior or something. <laughs> and so she would, she would come to the school intentionally after school to come and pick on me. And she wouldn't, she didn't touch me, but she would like literally, I would walk to the bus and the bus up, up the street was about 10 minute walk and I would walk up towards the bus and this girl would walk with her little friend and they would make fun of me and they would say ugly things to me and they would taunt me and mock me and for a couple of weeks it would happen and I just was like, what do I do? You know, in my mind I'm thinking, like, what am I going to do? And then all of a sudden one day I just snapped and I was like, I am tired of this. I am done with this. And I turned around and I was like, you know what? Let's take this to the park. I ain't scared of you. I don't got no problem with you. But if you want to have a problem with me, let's go to the park right now. And she just kind of looked at me like, what? And she was like, all right, let's go. And I was like, all right, let's go. So we're like going to the park. And I'm like hecka scared, super scared, really scared. Because I'm like, I don't know how to fight. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, she's got hair. I got hair. Just pull it, punch her. Do what you got to do to win this fight. But unfortunately, because this was my first fight, she really beat me up bad. And I went to school the next day, and I had a black eye. Everybody was talking about me. And let me tell you, though, why I got beat up, too, because this wasn't fair. And I've always been like this, was that when we were fighting, she was like, boom, boom. And then I would get in, and I would, ah, you know, because I didn't know how to fight. But then, I went, and then, but then I got her down, and I just started punching her. But once I started punching her, because, you know, I just punched her like this because I didn't know to go like this or whatever. But I started punching her. And then all of a sudden, her friends, because she had like tw 10 girls with her. And I had my, my friends at that time, but they weren't fighters either. But I had my boyfriend at that time and his friends. And they were really, like, they were tough. Like, nobody messed with them. And so I remember as, I didn't want anybody getting in my fight. Because I believe in fair fights to this day. I don't condone it, but if you, you know, anyways. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
punched her and I punched her. And then all of a sudden, because I was winning, all these girls, 10 girls, jumped on me. And I, they punched me. They kicked me. They kneed me. They did everything they could to make sure that I didn't win that fight. And as I was losing the fight, then my friends and my guy friends jumped in and pulled the girls off. And I just was like in a daze, like, I can't believe this just happened. And so I was so humiliated and so embarrassed and so angry. And it was like a spirit of violence came into me and of rage. And I felt like, oh, my gosh, I am never going to get my behind kicked. I am never going to lose a fight after, after that. I'm never going to let anybody beat me up and humiliate me like that. It was like all of a sudden I had this, like, epiphany moment of, Chella, you got to learn how to be a fighter. And so... I began to, you know, I had my friend, and I would tell her, you know, like, punch me. And she punched me, and it would hurt. But as she would punch me, she taught me how to fight. And you know what else I would do is I watched other fights, unfortunately, in the school. And I would see who was the best fighter, and I would watch them. And I would observe how they would fight and why they would always win their fights. And so I watched, and you know what else I did? I watched boxing. Because boxing, like, they're so skilled in their art. And so I would watch it. And so I was, like, ready and prepared and ready to beat somebody up because I didn't know who was going to come against me, you know, again. And so, unfortunately, fights were a part of my lifestyle in the high school schools. And so let me tell you, one time I, I you know, um, because of spirit, let me tell you, this is spiritual stuff. A spirit was in me. And I remember I picked on a, on, well, I didn't pick on her because she was talking about my friend, and my friend was a guy, and he didn't believe in hitting girls. So I stepped in, and I said, I'll fight her for you. And he's like, yeah, go fight her for me. I said, okay. So I went in, and I was like, what, you got a problem? What, what? Right? And I thought I was tough. Like, please, give me a break. You're not tough. And so I was like, what, you want to pick on my friend? You know, you going to talk about it? What, let's do this. And I remember we started fighting, and we really started going toe-to-toe with it. And she, like, got me, and she body slammed me. And all of a sudden, there was all these people, like 100 young people around us. And I was like, oh, that one hurt. But I got up, and all of a sudden, I blacked out. And for those who don't know what blacking out is, I'm not saying you are. I'm not, I'm not you know, don't quote me. This is what I believe in, and this has come true. But as I blacked out, I don't remember what happened. You know, I don't remember how much I beat her up. I know I did, though. Um, so I... And, but, I, but blacking out is a, is a sign or a form of demonic possession. You lose consciousness and then the demon manifests and does what it does. And so I was an angry person. I was very violent at this time. And all of a sudden I woke, I, I came out of the blackout and the girl was on the floor. And I remember I was just punching her, just punching her. And then all the crowd wanted to punch her too. And I said, no, this is my fight. This is not, a, you are not allowed to touch her. This is my fight. Because I wanted everybody to know that if you were going to pick on me, if you were going to try to, you know, bully me, if you were going to try to, you know, start a fight with me, let me show you what was going to happen to you. So I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that I did this. And so there wasn't a time after that that I lost a fight. Now, did I enjoy fighting? No. I hated it. I hated that people would pick on me. I hated that people were hating on me. I hated the fact that people just thought I was just this vulnerable little girl. But when they came to me, oh, let me tell you, oh, you were going to get a beat down after you talked your smack. And so as I learned the skill in the world to fight, 
Once I got saved, I could no longer fight anymore. That was no longer the answer. That the battle was no longer flesh and blood. But I had to learn how to fight spiritually. I had to learn how to know my opponent and know my opponent's, you know, uh, strategy against me. Do you guys know that there is a method that the enemy has against you and I? That the moment that we are born, there is an enemy strategizing and conniving and planning with his demons how he was going to take us out, how he was going to destroy us, how he's going to divert our faith, how he's going to, you know, torment us. And so as I got saved, I begin to understand that I have to learn to know the skill of a warrior. I need to learn to know the skill of, a, of someone who knows how to pray and fight. Not, not in the flesh and blood, but in the spirit. And so here God provides the armor of God. And it's through the armor of God that he teaches us by the Holy Spirit, by discipleship, by the word of God, by the, by the um, congregation as we pray together. He teaches us skillfully how to pray against and how to fight against the enemy. And just the same way as I never lost a fight after that, that's the way that God wants us to be, that we would not be timid, that we would not be afraid of what comes against us, that we would not be discouraged or dismayed but that we would stand and know how to use the armor that God has given us. And so I want you to know today that God has given you and I the armor, the armor of God. How many of us know, how many of you believe it? I believe that God has given me a spiritual armor to wear, that though you may not see it, it's just as real as the palm of your hand in front of you. It's just as real. And so here the Bible says to gird up your loins. Gird it with the waist, with the truth. Gird up your waist with truth. Also, it's called the buckle of truth. And do you know that when the enemy, back in the day, when they would fight in their battle, in their warfare, that the warriors would put the belt on, and that when they girded their belt on, it's what kept their whole armor together. And that do you know that when they would gird up their, 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 their armor together, they would buckle it up, right, or do whatever they did, and they would have like leather straps hanging from it. Do you know why they did that? Do you know why they put on that buckle of truth? This is heavy. Was that when the enemy would fight against them, it was that buckle of truth, it was that, it was that, that waist of uh, uh, that buckle that, uh, that would, we, they would wrap around them. They would wrap a belt or whatever it was around the belt, and it would protect them from the enemy um, cutting their, their future off. I don't know if you understand that. In other words, when they would go into battle, they would protect, the man would protect his future here. It would protect his seed from being destroyed. And so when you put the buckle of truth on, how many of us know that when you know the truth, it keeps you free? But not only does it keep you free, it allows the next generation to rise up in that freedom. And so if the enemy can bring light to you and bring deception to you and cut that truth off from your life, guess what happens to your future seed? They live in a, in a generation of lies. They live under a curse. They live in bondage. And that's how the enemy wants to, to come against us with, with the lies. And it's through the truth that keeps us free. It's through the truth that keeps us alive and well. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says also that then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from the lies of the enemy. Free from fear. We live in a country where we are so fearful of everything. 
We are fearful of releasing our children to school. We are fearful to, you know, go out in public to the movies because we're afraid somebody's going to shoot up the movie theater. We're afraid to grow old because old brings death. And with death, you have to confront your reality. Did, did, did you live right with God or not? People are so afraid of so many things, but when we become set free, we are free and free indeed. We are free from deceit. We are free from false religion. We are free, and we walk in truth, and not only that, but we walk in conviction. When you have truth in your life, nothing can sway you from that truth, and that's when conviction becomes alive. Amen? The next part of the, war the warrior's armor was the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness was what was acceptable to God, that when somebody walked in the rightness of God, it was acceptable. And when you wear the breastplate of righteousness, besides the breastplate and, and uh, or excuse me, besides the helmet, the breastplate was so uh, important for the warrior to wear because it was what guarded his heart. It was what guarded his life. It literally guarded him from dying on the field, on the battlefield. And the same way, spiritually speaking, we have to be able to guard our hearts from the wiles and the attacks of the enemy. And if God isn't Lord of your heart, then you need to ask yourself today, what is the Lord of my heart? What needs to be removed so that God can be the reign of, of my heart? The condition of our hearts, that's how God wants us to, or the condition of our heart, um, it needs to be right with God so that it can be acceptable to God. Satan consistently stays strategic about how he's going to defile our hearts. Did you guys hear that? Satan stays strategic about how he's going to defile our hearts. You know how he can defile our hearts? Through media, through TV, computers, hidden sin. That's why the word says, Lord, hide your word inside of my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. He often tries to sit at the seat of our emotion. He tries to mess with our self-worth. He tries to mess with our trust. The, excuse me, the breastplate of righteousness is what protects our hearts and allows the word of God to guard it. Like Judas, he didn't guard his heart. He didn't guard what God had deposited literally inside of him, what God, when Jesus was on the earth, he had Judas walk with him. And the Bible says that Satan entered into him. And he betrayed God because he wasn't guarded. He didn't guard his heart. He didn't guard what God had given him. Those three and a half years, he didn't guard it. But he betrayed our Savior. And he ended up committing suicide. In Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. If God isn't sitting at the throne of our heart, then what, what is residing in it? What is residing that needs to be removed? We need to guard our heart on a daily basis. Even guard our hearts from ourselves. Jeremiah 79. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Do you know that there are masterminds out there who do surgery on the brain and they can tell you all these wonderful things of how the brain functions and why the brain doesn't function and what happens when the brain swells. All these wonderful things. But do you know that no surgeon on this universe, in this earth, can explain why the heart does what he does. That it's still the mystery that mankind is still trying to figure out. Isn't that heavy? Our hearts can dictate the commitment of our desires. It's important that we align our hearts with God's will so that we can fulfill the very purpose that he has placed before us. Amen? Amen. We can't afford our hearts to be distracted. 
but rather focused on the cross. In the midst of this, war, of this battle, of this wearing the, the, the armor, he also says to put on the gospel of peace. And these are the sandals of the gospel. And I believe that God intentionally, put, or Paul intentionally had this written down because in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the warfare, do you know that there's a very purpose of why we do what we do? And, some, and so sometimes when you are in a box or in a world of your problems and then you go outside of that box and you begin to evangelize, you begin to realize that your problems aren't so bad. You begin to realize that, man, I got a living God that is with me. Man, I kind of have it a little bit easier than this, you know, person out here who's struggling in their drug addiction. Man, I kind of have it a little bit better than I thought I had when I, you know, met this family and mom's not there and the kids are, you know, starving. Have you ever had those encounters when you would go out and evangelize that you see that your problems aren't so bad? Right, men's home? Your problems aren't so bad. I've, gone, I've been so discouraged at times and so weary and so defeated. But the moment I would go out in and start evangelizing and start telling people about what Jesus did for me and how he delivered me and saved me, there becomes this fire that begins to burn inside of my soul. But God, God begins to stir me up and remind me that it's not that bad, Chala, that it's not, you know, it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to end in defeat. You're not going to end in discouragement. But he begins to show me a, 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 a need, the very purpose of why I battle what I battle. And it's not just for me, but it's souls out there. And sometimes as we're fighting the good fight, we lose perspective. But I believe that God put this scripture in this, in this very part of the scripture because he wanted to remind us that as you're battling the, the, the fight, as you're going through it, as you're fighting the good fight, don't forget to go out and preach the gospel. Amen. It'll refresh in your perspective. Yeah. Amen. It leads and guides us to do what God has called us to do. Even in our warfare, it leads us still in the very purpose that God's intending for us to fulfill. Amen? The other one, the la or not the last one, but the other one, is shield of faith. The shield of faith is what protects us from slander. You, do you know what a shield is? Everybody, anybody ever had a shield in their house? I know my husband has like a sword. He has like daggers. He has this stuff in his house. And, and some of it reminds me of, he has a statue of this guy. He's in his armor. You guys are macho, man. You guys are like <laughs> warriors, yeah. And I want to be like that too. And one of the, uh, his statues has this big old armor, this big old shield. And the shield is as big as this man. But that's what they would carry so that when the fiery darts, or when people would come against the, sh the shield of faith, the faith or the shield would protect them from getting harmed. And so as we're serving God and as here Nehemiah was serving the Lord and building the work of God, the enemy started bringing insults. The enemy started bringing accusations. The enemy started trying to, you know, bring his faith down and block the work that God, God had for him to do. But it's through the shield of faith that we can shield ourselves from the, from the, from the fiery darts that would try to cripple us. Amen. Um, here, there's a specific word here that says the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen. That there's an enemy yes. so wicked and so ready and so willing to bring accusation, to bring defeat to our lives. But the Bible says that we can quench. Yes. That when those fiery darts are thrown against us, yes. it's the shield of faith that quenches, yes. that takes out, that destroys, that, su that stifles, that suppresses 
all, every, all things, everything, the whole bit of accusation, the whole part that when the enemy wants to come in, that we can defeat all, all attacks. I don't know if you're understanding me here today, but when the enemy comes in and tries to bring discouragement or defeat, the Bible says that we have the authority to quench all that comes against us, that we take the word of God and we quench all that comes against us. Some of you guys aren't paying attention this morning, but do you know when the enemy comes in and tries to come in like a flood, tries to come in and bring whatever he wants to come against us with, that we we can quench all fiery darts, that we can walk in victory, that we can walk in victory. Some of you guys aren't getting this this morning, so I'm going to keep going on here. That I can defeat everything, the whole thing, the whole spill, the whole pie, whatever he wants to bring to me, that I can destroy it because God has given me the authority that I can quench the evil. I can quench all the hurtful things that he wants to do against me. That I can quench and destroy and cast down every work that the enemy would cause to destroy me, to destroy you, to destroy the work. You got to know that God has given you the authority to quench everything, all things, all things. Sickness, disease, salvation when those who have come and gone, that we can defeat the, the, the purpose of Satan. All things. I want you to get that in your mind. Debt. You can defeat all things. Lust. You can defeat all things. Failure. You can defeat all things. All of it. The next is the helmet of salvation. It's a helmet, speaking of the soul, metaphorically. It consists of the hope of our salvation. It defends any part of our mind that would be challenged and brought into doubt. This is the most vulnerable place that the enemy would try to mess with us in. In battle, the men would put, make sure my, my armor, my head armor is on. Make sure. Because once the brain is gone, you're brain dead. Spiritually speaking, the enemy wants to make us brain dead. But that's why we have to be able to put on the helmet of salvation. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down every argument, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The Bible says that what we fight here, when he says we have the authority to um, cast on every stronghold, those strongholds that he's talking about, he's talking about the thoughts. And that we take those thoughts and we turn them around and we say, no, devil, you're a liar. I'm submitting what the word of God says here. This is one of the, the greatest battles that we face on a daily basis. That this is where the enemy wants to mess with you and I. I don't know if you guys remember that song. It's so old, but I, it's like came to my mind. It's so ghetto, but I'm going to do it anyways. It goes, dun, 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 dun. I don't even remember the tune. My God. But it says, my mind is playing tricks on me. Bum, ba bum, ba bum, bum. Do you guys remember that? Or was I just, that's just me. I was like, 
my mind is playing tricks on me. Right? Thought I was cool. You'll never forget that. But the enemy, he plays with our mind. But the Bible says to put on the armor of God, to put on the helmet of salvation. Why do we have to put on the helmet of salvation on a daily basis? To change our mentality. Some of us come in here so defeated with such a negative, such a defeated mentality, but it's when you put on the armor of God and when you put on the helmet of salvation that you begin to realize who you are in Christ. You begin to meditate on the word of God and begin to stand on his promises. It guards our mind also from deception of thought. You ever had thought somebody really hated you and you, or you were just paranoid and you, you know, really thought that this person and you had funk but you really didn't? You ever thought that way? Or maybe when, when somebody says, I need to talk to you. Oh, my gosh. Those are like the words that we don't want to hear. You want to talk to me? Uh-oh. And then all of a sudden, you start thinking about all the sin you done done. You start thinking about all the wrong you done did. And you're like trying to get right with the Lord. So when you get rebuked, you're like, I'm right with God. Okay, I'm going to give it to me. I'm ready for the rebuke. Right? It's a deception of thought. And then you find out you're not even in trouble. The pastor just wanted you to, you know, just go run an errand with him. And you're like, whew, you know, thank you, Lord. Your grace and mercy endures forever. Right? It's deception of thought. Also, it could also trigger memories that are unhealthy. That when, when we put on the helmet of salvation, it protects and guards our minds, even from the past. That when we were told we were nothing or when we were told we were, you know, going to be dead at the age of something, it's those memories that no longer can touch us because the armor of God is upon us. Amen. It guards our mind. It's the greatest place that the enemy would want to play with us in. But when we keep our minds focused, God keeps us in perfect peace. He says this is where we need to discipline, discipline our minds to what the word says. Isaiah 26.3 says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds stayed on you. That when we focus and keep our minds on him, everything around us, the storm, the rain, the winds, we stay in perfect peace. Amen. Proverbs 23.7 says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think you're defeated, if you think you're no good, if you think that nobody's going to like you, you become that. You become unattractive. People don't want to be your friend because that's what you think about you. But when you begin to think about, no, I'm a child of God. I'm anointed and appointed. I'm virtuous in Christ. I have the armor of God on me. I'm clothed with his righteousness. I'm clothed with the humility. Have you ever told a child how wonderful they are? I mean, did you see Kaylani up here? She was just like, I am all that. I am getting dedicated today. I am a princess. I am, yes, saved by God's grace. When I begin to speak life into my children, I begin to tell my daughter, you're so beautiful. She's like, I know I am. I begin to tell my kids, you are appointed and anointed. And all of a sudden, their little spirits begin to rise up, and they begin to walk with the sense of pride, and they begin to act like, I'm anointed. I am the pastor's kid. God has called me. I am chosen. My mom says I'm handsome. Look at my hair. I look great because somebody's spoken to their life. And when you are spoken 
in somebody, when you speak in somebody's life, they begin to believe the word. They begin to, you know, embrace. They begin to take that word and believe it. And when you begin to see people believing the word, there becomes a resurrection within their mentality. There becomes this attitude of knowing that I am chosen. And you become attractive. So whatever you think in your heart, whatever you think in your mind, so you are. So if you know you're beautiful, you walk like a queen. If you know you're a king, you walk like a king. If you know that you're a champion, you walk like a champion. If you know that you're a warrior, you walk like a warrior. You fight like a warrior. If you know that you're the priest of this home, you walk like the priest of that home. If you know that you're a queen of your house, you act like the queen of your house. If you know that you are the benefit to your job, if you are the reason why your job is blessed, you walk like you act like you act like you walk in that blessing. Amen? My mind is going faster than my mouth. Got so much I want to talk about. The Bible says also to take up the sword of the Spirit. And with the sword of the Spirit, it says that it is the Word of God. The Word of God. Which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. And so the sword of the Spirit it's a double-edged sword in battle. These were very special swords that when they would fight, they would hold it a certain way because in order for them not to cut themselves, part of the other side of the sword was not sharp so that it wouldn't cut the person that was holding it. But it was sharp on the side when they were coming against their enemy. But in this case, the Word of God says that it's a double-edged sword that not only does it Fulfill the, work, fulfill the work that's supposed to do when we're fighting in prayer or fighting against the enemy, but it also checks us in our hearts. Yes. It's a mirror to our lives. And so here the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Amen. It becomes the only tool in our battle, in our armor, that we become the, uh, we become, or the enemy becomes a defender. In everything else, we are the defended, but in this case with the sword of the Spirit, the enemy becomes a defender. We become offense. And when you're on the offense, who's winning? When you're on the offense, who's winning? What? Oh, come on. Somebody. When you are on the offense, who is winning? Okay, can you act like it? Can you think about that for a minute and say, we are? Who is on the offense? Amen? Okay, I just got to make sure you guys get that because some of us are like, uh, what? What's she saying? Uh. Get off that phone. Pay attention because we're in a battle and the enemy wants to destroy us. It commands every lie to be silenced. Amen? How many of us know there's an enemy that brings lies constantly before the throne of God? The Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren, constantly bringing accusation. But when we have the word of God ready, it defeats every lie. It casts down every argument. It brings everything into perspective and kills what's not supposed to be there. The word strikes down every whisper of the enemy in whatever mood we may be in, whether discouraged, depressed, defeated, prideful, ignited, whatever it is. It's the word that takes our emotions and aligns our faith with him. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, 
It judges the thoughts and the, at, and the attitudes of the heart. Yeah. The word of God is so sharp that it cuts right through all your questions. Because sometimes we have questions that bring doubt. But it's the word that silences it. It also cuts the intellect out. Because some of us are really smart in here. And you are so much more smarter than me when it comes to the word. You could argue the word with me, and I would just be like, drop the mic, I'm out of here, bye. But the word cuts all intellect out. Intellect from the world. Theory and mythology, it cuts it all out. That when the world tries to mix what our belief is, it's the word that says, no, keep it out. It's that sharp. It cuts our logic out. It cuts every doubt out. It cuts anything that is not right and aligned with God. It's the word that we have to keep rooted in our hearts. When you come into agreement with God's word, you begin to unleash a power that the enemy cannot stand against. I don't know if you understand that. But when you begin to activate and when you begin to come in agreement with what the word of God says, you become active and alive. You become powerful and anointed. You become the victor over anything that the enemy will come against us with. It's the word that has to be in our heart for our minds, for our faith, for our children. This is the armor of God that God has given us so that we can fight this good fight, that we can stand against anything that comes our way, that when sickness comes our way, we stand on the word of God that by his stripes we are healed, that his desire is that we would prosper in health, that we would stand on the word, that when the doctor would try to give you a report of cancer or when the doctor would try to tell you that you're not going to make it another five years, that you would begin to align yourself with the word of God and you begin to say and tell the enemy that no God, he has given me Lord the years to come years ahead of me to bless your name that you have given me a life to prosper, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. That when you begin to stand on his word, those lies, those fiery darts, those things that come your way, you know what to do to get the word of God out. Jesus even had to fight the enemy. Satan came and tried to tempt him, and he said, it is written. If you bow down to me, I'll give you the riches of this world. And Jesus says, it is written. The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so this morning, I want to encourage you that as Nehemiah fought and built, fought and built, that in his battle and in his warfare and in his discouragement and in his time of needing strength, he finished the good work because he stood on the vision and the promise of God. And that's the same way you and I need to be. That as we're fighting and as we're building and as we're envisioning and as we're coming together with our pastors, our founders, Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, they are here in Northern Cal and they are ready to build Northern Cal like never before. And I don't want to be one in discouragement. I don't want to be somebody distracted by the lies of the enemy. I don't want to be dismayed and distracted because the enemy's telling me lies and that I'm not a part of the ministry or that my pastor's wife or 
way with purpose. That's the way we gotta walk. You're gonna go through battles. We're gonna go through defeat. We're gonna go through discouragement. But God says to put on the armor of God and withstand. tell him nothing. The Bible just says get him by the neck and keep him down. Because that's what you can do now. That when the enemy tries to defeat you, oh no, I'm wrestling. But guess what? I'm standing. And because I'm standing, I got you by the neck and you're a defeated foe and you're not going to overcome me because I am the overcomer. I am the victor. How many of us believe that today? You have the authority. Now pick up your sword. Pick up your sword. Pick up your shield. Don't be a lala. There's no lalas in Heart of the Bay. There's only warriors. There's only warriors. There's only soldiers in this place. There's only prayer intercessors in this place. There's only men of God who are standing for their family in this place. There's only disciples in this place. There's only people that love God in this place. There's no lalas in the Heart of the Bay today. Amen. Amen. Now go ahead, AJ. Thank you. Got warriors back here. They're the archers in the spirit. That when the enemy comes in, they're the archers. Tries to kill whatever tries to come our way. I want to encourage you today. We've been in a, in a great year. This year has caused me and our team to get a hold of God like never before. I have accomplished things in this year in my spiritual walk that I've never accomplished in my 18 years of my salvation. But because God has been doing such a great work this year, there's an enemy that wants to discourage you and I. There's an enemy that wants to stop life groups, the connection. There's an enemy that wants to destroy relationships in the house of God. There's an enemy that wants you to think that your pastors, that your pastor's wives don't love you. There is an enemy busy, busy, 
busy. And so because he's busy and he's so committed to his purpose, we've got to be committed to our very purpose. And it's the, the only way we're going to walk and defeat this enemy is through understanding how to use our armor, how to use the sword, how to use the word of God in truth, how to stand on the truth, and never forget to spread the gospel in the midst of it all because it's the gospel that reminds us of what our very purpose is here on this earth until the Lord says, come now. Pay attention. And I believe that this is our year still of battling. I know that God's going to shake the tree, so you need to be ready. But as he's shaking the tree, he also prunes the tree because he wants his church to be healthy. If we're going to back up our pastor, if we're going to back up our founders, we need to be a healthy people that are skilled, the people that know God, love God, and not just that, but God knows us. There's a difference there. There's people out there in the world, I know God, I know God. The Bible says, yeah, but does God know you? So today I want to encourage you that you're not defeated. You're not going to lose the battle. You're not going to lose your kids. You're not going to lose your marriage. You're not going to lose the vision that God has given you. You're not going to lose your ministry. You're going to go through the struggle in it. There's going to be a battle for it. But I want to tell you today that God has given you the victory already. But you've got to take up your armor and know how to fight through it all. You've got to know that when he comes in, how to fight with it. And if the enemy would want to do anything, if he can't take you out, he'll cripple you. He'll divert you, he'll distract you, he'll tempt you. But I believe that in this year, God is going to continue to strengthen us in our spiritual walk. God is going to begin to teach us. When we're in prayer, he's going to he's gonna begin to prompt us and how to use those tools that God has given us. I believe that God is going to strengthen friendships, relationships in this house. I believe that people are going to be healed supernaturally. Nobody's going to touch them because you stood on the word of God. I believe that in this year, there's still a battle taking place. But in this battle, I've already gotten the victory. I already have the promises set before me. I just got to fight to get there. And so I want to tell you today, that God is for you, he's with you, get your armor, pick up your sword, stop being lazy, stop depending on the prayer team to, to do it for you. No, you have your own sword with your name written on it. You got your own helmet, your own gear with your name on it. And you got to put it on so that in the next couple months as we go through the season that we're fighting with skill, that we can fight back to back with our pastors that we can fight back to back with Pastor Stevon and the, and the pastors here in our church. That we can fight in spirit and stand on the word so that as we enter the new season, because we're going to enter a new season after this, we're going to enter into a new season of breakthrough, of rejoicing, of rest, 
for a season. But in the mid, but as we in the season now, we've got to fight spiritually, not against your brother. Look at your brother, your sister. Look at them. It's not against them. It's not against other churches in Victory Outreach. It's not against other denominations. It's not against Church of the Cross here. It's a spiritual warfare. There are spiritual enemies that want to take you and I out.